You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Undead Walking Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Now, please welcome your host, Sarah Beth Pollock. Welcome back to another edition of the Undead Walking Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Beth Pollock, and it is Sunday night, November 1st, and We just saw the episodes of Fear the Walking Dead, The Key, that's episode 604, and then Walking Dead World Beyond, episode 105, Madman Across the River. Uh, Two really great episodes, um, really strong episodes that really helped to drive the stories forward on both shows. Um, I'm really excited about tonight's podcast. We have some really great interviews for you. Um, Not one, not two, but three interviews. Um, We're going to be talking with Garrett Dillahunt about his performance in Fear the Walking Dead. And then I also had a chance to catch up with Nicholas Cantu about World Beyond. And I actually asked him a very important question that I think was on the mind of most fans about why the Endlings are so hesitant to kill the Empties. And he went into great detail on that. So I'm really excited about that interview. And then I also have a bonus interview with none other than Lenny James about his new show, Um, Save Me Too. It's the second season of a show that originally aired in the UK and it's coming to Peacock uh, this week. So you can actually stream the first season on Peacock right now, which is available for free. And then the second season is going to be available um, on November 5th, which is this Thursday. So we had a chance to catch up on that. So um, we also talked a little bit about Garrett Dillahunt and his performance in 604. So there's a whole bunch in this episode, and I don't want to take up too much time because it's there's a lot, and I don't want to, um, well, it speaks for itself. I think it's there's some really great interviews in there, but I did want to mention that um, I know a lot of fans right now are really bummed out about the whole Talking Dead thing, that it's only available on AMC Premiere. So I was just thinking about it, and you know, honestly, we have the same we have the same interviews. We have Garrett Dillahunt and um, 
Nicholas can too, and we have Lenny James. Nobody else has Lenny James. So if you're not able to watch uh, Talking Dead tonight because you don't have AMC Premiere, and I'm right there with you because I don't have it either, um, feel free to give us a listen and subscribe and, and give us a review, and we'll keep bringing you as many interviews as we can. So far we have had... God, almost the entire Fear the Walking Dead cast so far, and quite a few members of the World Beyond cast, and yeah, so and we've got we've got great interviews for you. So come over here, listen to us after the episodes, and it's the same thing, and it's free. So why not? So uh, without further ado, let's jump into our interview with Garrett Dillahunt. Um, he talks about his performance in the Walking Dead or Fear the Walking Dead episode, The Key. Brilliant episode. He did such a fantastic job in this episode, and we saw a lot of our familiar faces. We saw Coleman Domingo and uh, Peter Jacobson as Rabbi Jacob Kessner. We saw Colby Minifee as Virginia. And Jenna Elfman was in the episode as June, and she shows up at the end. There's a lot that goes on in this episode, and it's so brilliant, and it's just, it's such a great episode. So... I hope you enjoy this interview because he really goes in depth about a lot of the, um, you know, a lot of the emotions that went into putting this episode together. And also he talks about what it was like having that reunion with June at the end of the episode. So here he is. This is Garrett Dillahunt talking about Fear the Walking Dead, episode 604. Hey, Garrett, how are you? Hi, Seb. I'm good. How you been? Nice to talk to you again. Yeah, it's nice to talk to you too. It's, uh, it's so funny. I, I, um, I talked to Lenny this morning and he said to say mm. hi. And he said that he absolutely loved this episode and it was just, he's, he, yeah, he just had the most wonderful things to say about you. So it was, uh, well, that's, that's nice to hear. He's a good dude. He is, he is. And this, um, I mean, this whole season, like, you know, I love, I love everything about the show, but this season has just been so amazing and and 604 I, I can't wait for everybody to see because it just it's I mean your performance is just mind-blowing the 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 depth of emotion that that John Dory experiences in this episode is just it's it's so it, it's it's almost like you're a masochist for saying that you love watching it because there's so much pain in a lot of those moments but I mean, it's just well, I like those kind of stories. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was go just ahead. I was just gonna say like it's 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 you do such an amazing job that it's it's so much fun to watch. Well, I'm glad it should be. You know, we you can have fun watching. You know, watching oh, a harrowing story. You know, you can have fun. It's you know, it's uh, I'm I'm real proud of this episode, and I thought everybody worked really hard on it. Director. Adam Suchiski, the DP, the director is Ron Underwood. I think the other actors really brought it, you know. Uh, Jenna, sort of, you get the idea of what she's capable of when she comes in and just sort of rips your heart out with one line. You know, what is it? What, what is it? You know, she just is so on John and knows immediately something's wrong. I thought she just, that was beautiful and really difficult to do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and this, you know, and there's there's even a story in in each of the stunts. You know, the the characters go someplace. You know, the stunt choreography was wonderful, and uh, and I just love that they let us take so much time. 
you know, I, I, I would, I believe this is what the show can be like all the time. And, uh, the amount of talented people on this set is kind of mind blowing. This company of actors is marvelous. And the technical team is, you know, we, we can make special things. And I was really pleased that they turned us loose a little bit on this one. And, and I'm real proud of it and everybody. So I'm glad it translated for you. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, this format is so, it's so great to be able to have a focus on a couple of characters because in, in this episode, what you really, you really get to see that, that John Dory is the, you know, he's, he's a rare breed anyway, but he's so steadfast in his belief in the importance of a moral high ground. And then you have Strand who's, you know, moral ambiguity personified, but you know, you don't really know what he's up to and it's, it's hard to gauge where he's at. And then you have Virginia, who's kind of a ends justify the means person. And none of those people, you know, like if it was a Venn diagram, you'd have Strand right in the middle. So to have John interacting with, with these two characters and trying to hold fast to his belief system is, is something to see. It's a little sad, isn't it? You know, because it's, it, it feels a little bit like there's no place for John in this kind of world. And that makes you feel sad, you know, and, in light of everything going on in the world today, you, you sort of think like, oh man, do you have to be sort of underhanded to survive or to get anything done? Do you have to play both sides? Do you have to, you know, is, is there no way out of these challenging situations, you know, if you just stick to your beliefs, you know, and it, it seems to be tricky for John in in this town in this situation you know he's not he's not he's not flexible enough in a way to try another way and all he does is fail this episode and it really pulls the rug out from under him i think by the end he's completely unmoored and untethered definitely because that's you know in in his letter to to june he even says you know i i could see us being here and yeah. He's, you know, he he bought into what Lawton was until Cameron's death and until he starts to see yeah. this this poison that's kind of underlying in the community mm -hmm. that, that you know he can't quite put a finger he on bought, because there's too much going right. on. That's exactly right. He he bought into what he thought Lawton was, you know. And it took him better part of a year you know, Cameron's death and then Janice's, you know, accusation and fr the framing of Janice really to understand that he's been, he's been fooled. He's been fooled for a long time. Absolutely. He's wasted a lot of time, you know, and that's, that's tough for someone like him who wants to save everybody. He kind of, he really hears the rabbi at the funeral. The rabbi's talking about justice and those people that just, are called to do that and he really hears that and i think that's what really almost starts his investigation in a way and, and it's, encourages it's, him it's fitting too it, you know the there's that that metaphor about the um or the, i guess it's like an old saying about you know like one bad tooth you know spoil your whole mouth and so you know by the end he's he's been dealing like he's he's such a sweet guy literally always eating these candies and you know that's that's kind of his thing and now he can't eat the candy 
because of this toothache. And so by the end, he's pulling this tooth out and staring at himself in the mirror going, what am I going to do? I mean, you just, it plays so, so beautifully that, that kind of symbolism. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a, it reminded me a little of Chinatown, you know, Nicholson's broken nose the whole time. Those kind of things throw you off too. You know, they throw off your judgment just a little bit. This kind of ache, you know, this throbbing in your head drives you a little mad. You might do some, you know, stupid things like pistol whip your friends or, you know, jump to conclusions or, yeah. So you see it in irritable, irritated, frustrated John in this episode. You see, you see John go a little crazy over the course of this episode. And it doesn't help that he's being kind of paraded as a hero too. I mean, that's, it's really, I mean, Colby is so, so incredible as Virginia because there's so much, uh, you know, she leans into this character who doesn't see herself as being a villain, but she, she really leans into situations that come across as being villainous and very psychological. Like she knows what she's doing. Every move is calculated. And yeah, well, she's, she's not, she's really smart because she's, you know, it's not, Virginia's not much of a physical threat. You know, we've seen what John can do with the weapon. He can get that thing out pretty quick. And hers is, you know, snapped to her holster almost under her armpit. You know, she can't get that thing out quick. You know, she's not a physical threat, but we, I think you see that that's, that's often not the most dangerous kind of threat. You know, she's, she's really good at manipulating people. She's controlled me, you know, for most of a year, you know, at this point. And uh, she controls a lot of people, you know, so the, the danger is in what order is she going to give? What manipulation is she going to do? I mean, she's, she's taking out her enemies. Janice and her her brother and now Cameron, like anyone who rebels at all against her, she she finds a way to get rid of them. And that's scary. You know, that's Definitely. blackmail. <laughs> well, and, and it's funny you mentioned that because you know there's there's a point when when John says in in his letter to or he says to to Janice that he thinks June's safe because. Uh, you know, because she's a nurse, like, you know, nobody's going to mess mm-hmm. with a nurse in this environment. And then at the end, Virginia decides to move June to, um, to Lawton as, is you know, it, it, it should be perceived as a reward. Like John's done something great. He's this hero, like I'm rewarding you with June's presence, but it's actually more of a threat because now she's like mm-hmm. dangling the thing he cares about most. Like he's give she's, simultaneously rewarded him with exactly what he's always wanted and yet it's not the happy occasion that it should be because it's more of a threat than anything else now now he can see every yeah, action right. is going to be know, gauged against her if he had a, if he would have just accepted virginia's explanation for cameron's death and not investigated it further then he'd probably be fine. And this would be a reward. You know, she'd think, Oh, he's completely, I've got him. I've got him under my thumb. But by the end, when he knows her true colors or he's reawakened to her true colors, you know, it's, it, 
it's going to look like a reward to the rest of the town. But her and John both know that what, what she's saying is, and now I've got her right where I need her to. So you stay in line, you know? Uh, so yeah, it's dicey. The, he, he's in trouble. He's in trouble. Um, so last question, just, uh, you know, after, after everything that he went through, you know, with Strand, knowing Strand's kind of role and what happened with Janice and everything, how does, how does their relationship end up between, you know, between John and, and Strand at the end of the episode? Are they, are they good? Are they, are there still some issues or do you think that, that John's well, kind of seen where he they is? They don't have, they don't have a scene, you know, after he beats him up. Right. You know, the, the, the Strand is present as John gets that reward he doesn't want at the end. But uh, I might leave that one up to the audience. I mean, I, I I don't know what I can't tell you what's going to happen between them. Oh but yeah, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be tough. I mean, I I hit him in the face with the butt of my pistol. You know, I accused him of murder. I didn't apologize to him. I didn't. You know, so I think they got a ways to go before they can trust each other again. So poor John is in a real mess. Yeah, you know, and, and he's put himself there for most of it. You know, he allowed himself to be uh, to be comforted, you know, by something familiar, and he and he lost his clarity in terms of viewing Virginia. So he's in trouble. Well, it's it's an incredible episode, and um, yeah, I, I can't wait. I'm so wait. glad you liked it. Oh, it was it was beautiful. It was I described it as poetry. It's it's a, it's poetic. And it's, I think it sucks you in, you know, I, and I really just think everyone just really brought their A game. I really do as, as much as I suppose it's my episode, you know, I don't feel that way. You know, I thought the music was perfect. You know, I, I, I just love how they let the story tell itself through expression and, you know, communicated looks, you know, that's, that's a real sensitive hand on the part of the director and the editor there. and. Uh, and I just thought they really, they really did us all proud. I'm proud of it. Well, you should be. It's, it's wonderful. And I cannot wait to see what happens next. Well, I appreciate you so much. You've always been such a big support. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you so much. And thank you for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Can't wait to talk to you again. Yes, ma'am. See you soon. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Garrett. All right, moving right along, we're going to hear from Nicholas Cantu about the Walking Dead World Beyond episode 105. Um, I really liked this episode. I'm a huge fan of the show. Um, I know it's 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 getting mixed reviews from fans, and and I can see that. It's always hard to get used to a new show, but honestly, I love how nuanced it is and how you have to really listen to the details. They're not spoon-feeding us information. You have to listen for it. Um, you know, just like they talked about the CRM being the hidden city last, uh, in episode 104, uh, this week they kind of casually mentioned that the military blew up all the bridges going across the Mississippi River. Little things like this really add to the mythology of the, the Walking Dead franchise, and so I really think it's cool. I think it's, it's cool how they're doing it, and there's a lot of levels, uh, of information that are being kind of laid out to, to further the story. So this week's episode was really cool because it, it did give us some insight into 
Elton and his backstory and which is just heartbreaking and tragic and it really goes to show like who he is as a person and why he is the way he is now and you know some of the things that he's dealing with as he goes on this journey with Hope and Iris so um, we are going to hear from him as soon as we hear a word from our sponsors because we have sponsors now so you're going to hear a commercial and then you're going to hear my interview with Nicholas Cantu. Hey, Nicholas, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. It is so, it's so wonderful to talk to you because um, I don't know if you remember, the last time I talked to you was on set back in November when the show didn't even have a title and nobody knew what was going on because everything was so new and nobody knew like what the show was even about until we got there. So now we have stuff to talk about. It's so exciting to finally have things we can say. Yes, I'm right there with you. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's so funny because, um, you know, when, when you guys explained everything on set that day, I started to realize that, that TWD3, as it was called at the time, was so much darker and so much more than any of the trailers could even make it out to be. So... I had, I was, I've been very, like, very excited about the show from the start, obviously, but now I'm starting to see all of the little things that, you know, like, it, it definitely, especially after watching 105, which is just such a brilliant episode, it, it's not, it's, it's not, uh, it's not the CW, it's, it's so dark and so gritty, and there's just so many things you're just like, I can't believe they just did that, like, I have a list of, like, WTF moments from watching 105 going I can't believe they just did that oh my god they just did that poor Elton I can't believe they just did that like <clears throat> it's insane it's absolutely insane and I I love it I mean I just I love I love being surprised I think that's what I love the most is that I don't see anything coming and when it happens you're just like oh my god like it, it just keeps happening with this show and I absolutely love the the sense of, of not knowing what's coming yeah that was exciting for me too I mean I, I'd never been on a set quite like this before and so when you're saying you had like a list of WTF moments I definitely had a list too it was a crazy <laughs> show to work on absolutely and you know it's it's funny because as much as I uh, you know, I, th I think what I love the most is that everybody I know is is talking like they talk in terms of like I think I'm hope or I was I was Iris in high school or I was you know and I personally relate to Elton because I was like the inquisitive kid like I wanted to go out and learn about things and so I, I have that connection to to your character so much because it's just like I get it like everything is is really exciting but then when you see I, I think that's the kind of beautiful thing about this episode is that you get a really deep, a, a much deeper appreciation of why he is the way he is. Yeah. I mean, with the show, when you were saying like, uh, everybody talks to the, like with their relatability to the characters that made me super duper happy. Cause that was one of the, the main things I was focusing on. Um, we were talking about press. I was saying like, for me on the main walking dead show that I watched, I always related to Carl. Like Carl was my character that I would call back to. 
And so I would always describe as our show as having like multiple Carls for younger Walking Dead fans to relate to and, you know, pull experiences from. And, that, and that's super great to hear. I mean, it's, it's, it's even funny because I used to take dinosaur classes at the museum. So I was like, I was so dialed into Elton last night. Like I was, I was watching my screener last night and I was like, oh my God, like he and I, like, that's just, that's just it. But it also. Yeah, that's a crazy similarity. That's like I know. exactly Elton. I know, isn't that, it, it's so funny. And it's, it's so, I, I think it really serves to like, it, it really highlights like who these kids are because they're, they grew up in, you know, like, it's funny, like you think about, you think about the bubble that, that they lived in at the university. And I think for better and for worse, like it's, they did them a great a, a great benefit of educating everybody and giving people the opportunity to learn because you're living at this university, but then it's also a disservice because you don't really know what's happening beyond that. So it's kind of a, you know, so you're, you're in the middle of learning all of this right now, but you really see Elton is the perfect combination of like street smart and book smart and how that really works in this world. Right. There's there's two sides to it. You're definitely correct with how the university works. I mean, you do have that side where you do get that protection from the outdoors and you're learning. And maybe our campus is a bit more capable than other survivors just because of our position. But also we're less capable because we don't know what's really out there. And so our, our cast of characters is really exploring that through the season. And I think it makes for a very interesting show. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. And, you know, it's it's also there's a lot of really interesting little life moments happening and Elton was certainly kind of, I, I, I feel like Elton got a, a really interesting lesson learning what it is to be a pawn when you're trying to be kind of, you know, Felix kind of used him in a really interesting way. And, and unfortunately hope heard the wrong end of that conversation. And Elton was the one who kind of suffered for it that, that, you know, he didn't, it was a weird place to be in. Oh, yeah. Episode five was definitely a weird place for Elton. I mean, he, he got caught with his plan to turn the group around. He had to fight his trauma. I mean, there were walkers everywhere. It was a crazy, crazy episode for Elton. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it, it you know, at the end of the day, though, I mean, he's he's definitely found himself a group, you know, a family that that he wants to be a part of so it's it's a it was a hard place to be in to begin with because on the one hand there there's the you know, the 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 sense that you shouldn't be out here because people will get hurt and he cares about these people too much to see that but then at the on the other hand he understands why they're doing what they're doing and he wants to continue supporting hope and iris so it's it's a really hard a hard place to be when you want to to please both you know, you want to please everything and keep people safe. Yeah, exactly. Elton had to do a balancing act. I mean, he was going back and forth in his brain on whether or not it was right to try and turn the group around because they are like a family to him and he wants to do what's best for them. And so he thought that uh, like prioritizing safety would be the best option. But he soon learns, you know, like you said, why they have to do this and the importance of their mission. And I think at the end of the episode, Elton comes out a stronger man. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and I think, you know, moving forward, like when you, when you think about it and, and it's interesting that you relate to Carl so much because Carl was living in this world the whole time. So he, he saw things, he had to do things, um, you know, but there's also that parallel, like 
Carl had to kill his mom or put his mom down after she died. And then little Elton is confronted with his dead father after being locked in this box and hearing everything that was happening around him. I mean, that's, that's like trauma amplified. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of trauma for the kids in the walking dead universe. Lots from every show, everybody gets their little piece of the pie. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, and I wanted to, I wanted to ask you this cause I I've, I've been pondering this for a while because I've seen people say like, why, why does this group have such a, tr a hard time killing the empties? And I was thinking back to something that, that Iris said in last week's episode and everybody was kind of there for that, for that conversation. But it seemed like everybody was taught that avoidance is the number one thing to do. You don't engage, you avoid as much as possible. And could you talk yeah, a little bit about that's what that? Yeah, that's what we them, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, avoidance is definitely the key. That's what uh, all the characters learn in Felix's uh, self-defense class. And so when people say like, oh, why aren't they, you know, getting rid of all these walkers? It's because the safest option for them is to just avoid them altogether. Uh, so many of the characters pull moves in the show where they're just like dancing around empties instead of trying to take them down immediately. And I, I think it shows a, a different side of the coin of like life in the apocalypse i mean you have those people that can just run through destroy empties and you know just blaze through everything but then there's the more methodical thought out approach from the campus colony and so i think it, it shows a very new way it almost combat i would say it's still combat oh yeah absolutely and it's also it's so much more thoughtful that you can you know like there's there's different ways of approaching it and it's not you don't have to just blindly kill things but, you know, you get the sense that in 10 years, these kids will grow up to be even better fighters, assuming that the world is still, you know, falling apart and it hasn't come back together again in 10 years. But because it, that's what they started with, they learned that core lesson first, that you don't have to kill everything. Because it seems like the people who rush in killing things are usually the ones who end up getting bitten first. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the more you expose yourself to the danger, the more of a chance you have to get bit. So in that avoidance tactic, you're like lowering the percentage of things that go wrong the farther away you are from the empties. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, that, I mean, you definitely, you definitely see that. And I think that's what I love so much about the show is that it presents the other way of doing things. And that's what makes it so interesting because there, there are other ways of dealing with these threats. Yeah, exactly. I mean, our, our show's showing a lot of new stuff, and you're definitely right with the way that we handle empties. It's also a very new look into a way to handle these threats in the Walking Dead universe. And I and it's 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 fun because it is it's fresh and it's new and it's it's it it puts a different thought on what it is to survive, which is really interesting in itself because in a way, all of these, everybody has these really deep backstories. I mean, you have, you know, Elton, which, you know, because that was such a focus in, in this week's episode in, in 105 that, you know, he's this really brilliant kid and you get to see why he's so brilliant because his parents involved him in everything, which is just so cool for a five-year-old, you know, that he, that he knows so much. I mean, picking up the map at the end, you're just like, yeah, he's going to figure this out. Like he's, he's smart enough to figure this out. He's going to go find help or find, you know, go off on this adventure and, and find help after being locked in this, this place. Um, but he's still the youngest. And, and so there's that 
you know, kind of grappling with, with understanding what life is as a kid in the middle of all of this. Yeah. I mean, with Elton, you definitely get to see like the way that he would handle certain situations and you're totally right with him interacting with his parents. They really like molded him into this like uber scientific brain. I mean, he's got the most like problem solving abilities for any five-year-old I've ever seen. (laughs) I mean, he just walks out there with the map and the bag and he's like, all right, well, time to survive. I'm ready for this. I've been prepared. It's like, what? It's crazy. (laughs) It's so, yeah, it really is. And, um, I mean, obviously things are about to take a really interesting turn now that, that Hope has connected her relationship to Elton and what her role was in kind of his life and, and, and trying to cope with that. I can't, I mean, I, I know that's going to be coming up, but you see that, that look in her, in her, in her face of like, oh, that's who I killed. That's the person like, that's going to change everything. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm super excited for people to see what's in store with that arc. It's going to be super great. Oh, man. Oh, man. Well, what, I mean, what is it, you know, what can you say about, um, you know, bringing this episode together? Because obviously you had to do some really interesting things about, you know, climbing under that, the boat and, and you know, crafting the boat and, and running from the empties. I mean, there were so many different elements to it. Like, what was, what was bringing this episode to life like for you? Um, It was great. It was definitely one of my favorite episodes to film uh, because we actually had like press kicking up on set around that time. I mean, I I was able to talk to you in November, but we had been doing press since I think we shot that one in late September, I would say. So we'd we'd like that's when we'd start all the press stuff and we were able to talk about the show and then work on the show at the same time. But the set that we were on with pushing the boat into the water and, you know, Daiquiri Town. It was a really, really fun episode. Dan was the director. He was awesome. Uh, I, I, I really liked working on that episode. It was awesome. Are you enjoying being able to do the physical stunts and, and being out kind of in the middle, like not on a set, but in a in a kind of open environment? Because the, the episode, well, I can't say where I was when I saw you, but you were definitely on location the day that I, I met you. And it was a really interesting location, to, to say the least. Yeah, location shooting is some of my favorite and we get to do a lot of that on the show and so I, I I would say that the physical nature of the show is probably one of my favorite aspects I mean doing the stunts uh eliminating walkers and just like running from walkers like the physicality of the series is awesome I, I love it do you if you had the opportunity to um to cross over onto another show or to, to pair up with another character do you like do you think about that in terms of like who you'd want to to join you'd want Elton to join forces with I have thought about that a lot that's what's fun about working in the Walking Dead universe is because you have all these characters that span all these shows and it's fun to just sit there and think like hmm I wonder who would be good with what or like I wonder what happened if this character went over here because I mean we saw Morgan go from Walking Dead to Fear and so that was a very interesting switch so if Elton were to migrate to another show I think it would be very interesting to have him go to the main series Walking Dead and have him just be like uh Eugene's like other brain like just put the brains together that would be great it's so funny because that's exactly what I pictured and I, I have a feeling that that Elton would give Eugene a run for his money and he wouldn't know what to do right they would have so many conflicting theories and then they would like solve a bunch of problems together it'd be like the best 
Oh, that would that like that's a spinoff right there. That's like the con the Walking Dead franchise comedy hour right there. Like that's exactly. all you need. Boom! It's the Walking Dead AV Club. That's what it is. Exactly. You can get Luke in there and get you know, Dan Fogler involved, and you guys would just be launching satellites by the time it would be all done. Oh yeah, we would fix the apocalypse. We just got to get the brains together. That's it. Exactly. Keep the brains from being eaten and get them together, and and uh, we'd be ready to go. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Um, what has been like kind of based on what we've seen so far, there's been a lot of really big moments, um, you know, not just with 105, but just, just kind of in the first five episodes of the show, what has been the most, uh, the most, the moments that you've really been excited for fans to see, like knowing what's been coming and, and having them come out into the world, what, what, what's been the most uh, what you've been excited for fans to to learn about? Uh, I'm very excited for fans to see stuff that's later in the season, but from the first five episodes, I'd say since the very beginning of working on the series and being uh, among all these wonderful actors and the great crew and seeing the sets that they build, I mean, the thing I really wanted people to see was just like the world that we built. Ever since episode one, we've had these like crazy, crazy like set pieces. I mean, we crashed a... 747 in a small little town there's like craters that were going by so being able to see this like broken world for me was super duper exciting and so I hope people are really enjoying the kind of environments that we're interacting with what's been your favorite empty to see so far of all the ones that have come to life oh man I I kind of have two I mean in the first episode we kind of see that like uh those, those three empties just sitting in the airplane seats with all the vines over them. And that was one of the first empties I ever saw on the show. So that one's very special to me because they're just, you know, they're just kind of sitting there. They're looking serene. They almost look like an art piece. I like those guys. Um, but then I also really, really like the wasp empty that we fought in episode two. I mean, that one, just what nightmare fuel is that? Who came up with that? That's crazy. That's one of my favorites for sure. Oh, thank God they didn't know about murder hornets back then because that would have just, that that's like... That would have just been the 2020 like symbol, the the, the empty oh, yeah. bowl of murder hornets chasing you. Right. It would be <laughs> it would be 2020 incarnate. That's what the empty would be. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, cool. Well, thank you so much, Nicholas, for taking the time to talk to me. It's been such a pleasure, and I'm so excited to see what comes up next because it's just it's been such a fun ride so far. Thank you so much. It was nice to talk to you again. This was a great, great conversation. Oh, thank you. And I would love to talk with you again and, and pick your brain some more. Of course. I'd love to. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. All right. Thank you. All right. And as promised, we have one last interview. And this is a very special interview that we did with Lenny James about his show, Save Me Too. Um, it's a really brilliant story. It's, uh, like I said earlier, it's it's in its second season, and it's uh, based in the UK. It's on Sky TV, and for the first time ever, it's coming to American television, so it's, it's kind of exciting to see it because we've heard a lot about it. It's gotten a lot of uh, award buzz, and and it's just, it's a brilliant show. It's about a man who learns that his estranged daughter is kidnapped when she said that she was on her way to see him. And it begins this journey of, of 
him trying to find her and kind of exposing a lot of things in the kind of dark underbelly of London life. Um, it's really brilliant, and uh, Letty James is actually the writer and creator of the series, uh, and he stars in it. So it's uh, it's just, it's amazing. So it's available right now on Peacock on the free platform. And then starting on November 5th, you can stream the second season, which is called Save Me 2. Uh, that's T-O-O, not the number two. Um, and so I had a chance to talk with, with Lenny about that and um, about the new series and kind of what it's about. And um yeah, I mean, it's you can tell he's it's something he's really passionate about, and it's uh, it's absolutely brilliant. So I really urge you to ch to check it out if you haven't seen it already. Um, so this is my interview with Lenny James, which will come immediately following another word from our sponsors. It's good to talk to you. How's it been? It's been great. I'm I'm just uh it's so funny i just i just watched 604 last night and uh, it's a good one isn't it it's so good this yeah. whole season man it's just i mean yeah it's Dara it's, is so fantastic in that episode he is so so fantastic he is he is i'm talking to him in about an hour so i'm, I'm so excited but it's oh, uh, send him send him my love i will i will it's you know there's something um there's something so incredible watching watching season six right now and then the kind of the juxtaposition between that and save me is just it, it's <laughs> it's like the perfect thing because I mean, you you know how much i love fear and i love you guys and i love i'm so continually impressed by the talent in the cast and this is i'm so excited that everybody gets to see save me and save me too now here in the states because we've known about it but we haven't been able to see it. So yeah. it's, it's been so much fun getting caught up on it and, and seeing all this that we've, you know, we've been hearing about it, but finally being able to see it is so amazing. Yeah, I'm very glad that, it, that um, it's been, that Peacock have taken both seasons and, um, and that they're, they're showing them because there's a lot of people, the question I get asked, um, kind of non-Walking Dead universe question, I get asked more than any other question um uh, just recently is how do we get to see save me and that's <laughs> short of, of bootleg copies i mean this is exactly. this is the best thing to happen because it's it, i i actually do know people who've like i've you know i saw this grainy copy from my friend's brother's you know <laughs> person <laughs> it's contraband it is it is and, and i feel like there's so much there's so much good television in the uk that that americans are always trying to you know i mean it, you know it's, it goes both ways but it's like it, it is, these kinds of relationships where we can finally see things like this are just so great because you know you don't want to you don't want to have to resort to those things that end up getting your ip address blocked by the feds and yeah, you know exactly. all that stuff <laughs> I, although i i do you were just reminding me that when we when we shot the first when we cut together the first um episode of save me so the first ever episode and we sent it to the network it was um there was much secrecy around it and you know and limited the number of people who were able to watch it and um but somehow 
it leaked out to um, Sky people, the people at Sky are the network who, um, who made Save Me back in the UK. And it did go around the Sky offices and, like some kind of contraband that people would secretly squirrel it to different um, departments and everybody was watching it. And suddenly we started getting these because people couldn't, I suppose, couldn't resist saying, you know, how much they enjoyed it. That they, we started getting messages from very obscure parts of the Sky organization um, saying how much they um, enjoyed Save Me. So it's, um, it's had this life before, but slightly differently. And I'm glad it's out now. <laughs> but I, I can totally see it. And it's, you know, it's as, as, uh, as an American viewer, I mean, it's just, it's so much five now gone from, you know, I, I was quickly trying to get through season one and Anne's as much as season two as I could before talking to you. And it's, where just, are you up to? It's, I'm up to, let's see, 203. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It took me, I, I, it, that's just in like three days. So no, like, that's you know. excellent. No, <laughs> that's excellent doing. Um, you've got some big twists and turns to come. It's so, I'm, I'm so excited. And thankfully I can't talk, you know, I can't talk to anybody about like what actually happens until the second. So I have a little bit of time, but I was just like, it's, it's the kind of thing that's so compelling that you can't stop watching it. And, good. you know, everybody, you know, I, I think now I, it's, the fact that you that you came up with this story, you know, as as the creator and the writer and and, and being able to star in it is just, it's so incredible, and it just comes from this this amazing, you know, this amazing place, and it's it's uh, the thing that just immediately struck me because I was I was thinking about how in the comment that uh, that that we got in the email when we were setting up this interview was that, you know, it's it's a part of London that you don't see and it's it's stories that aren't told and, you know, there's so much of that in this in this story and it's so true because and I think that's what makes it even more compelling because you're like I need to see this I need, you know, do I do I look is it, it was like almost like a car accident at times where you're like I, I don't know if I should be really enjoying this or if I should be you know, like what what does that say about me that I really want to watch and, and see what happens but then you know there's there's also that that gutting kind of awfulness about aspects of the story too and it's just you know it it, it makes me wonder how you came up with everything well I mean I I came up with the basic premise really um which was um a, a ultimately as a father who's estranged from his daughter and um, finding out that his daughter has been taken away by someone pretending to be someone pretending to be him excuse me and um and that was the basic premise and then from then on in it was about once i knew where it was set once i knew who populated it it was about being true to that community and to those people and um, because ultimately, particularly in um, series one, it's all, Nelly is almost like Don Quixote. He's just, he's just tipping his hat at windmills, basically. He has, he has no right to the search for his child um, other than what he creates, other than what he generates because he's not her legal guardian once the police um kind of dismiss him as 
the perpetrator of the um, of the kidnapping. Once he's been released of that, they don't have to tell him anything. He's not included. He doesn't know Jody. So our story, in a weird way, is about is a is a kind of a man searching for a child, learning to be a father to that child, um, um, to a child that he may never meet, um, that he may never get to know. And, um, and that was the, in the heart of our story. So mostly we go the places we go and we end up the places we end up because that's where Nelly takes us. That's what I believe would be true to him and to his journey. Right, right. And it's it's so interesting, too, because you really see how you hear that, you know, that, that there's always that sense of, you know, the, the choices you make in life or what determine your path and how you move forward. And you really see that with him because he's coming face to face with the choices that he's made and, and how everything that he does after Jody disappears is kind of trying to atone for for those decisions and choosing a better way than what he has been doing previously even if yes. some of his means aren't you know they're not exactly above board but they're done with the intention of of doing a good thing yes i mean i i you know it's i mean i, I in a weird way i can answer that question um better as the actor playing nelly than the writer creating Nelly in the sense that um, one of the things that um, I thought a lot about when playing him was, um, is why does he do what he does? Why does he go as far as he does? Why does he um, push himself the way that he does? Why does he take the risks that he does? Why does he incorporate his friends and um, community in the way that he does. And I think it's because at the, at the heart he has, it's two things. One, he has a righteous anger. Um, some, someone pretended to be him. Someone who knows him did this and he needs to know who that person is. The other thing is, is that one of the things that Jodie says in her message to her mum, the video message that starts the whole thing, um, that she says to her mum is that she loves her dad and that's what spurs Nelly on because he doesn't think he's worthy of her love and he needs to know what the person or people who took Jody what they said that made her love their version of Nelly and I think that at the heart it is that, it, and, and I think at the heart of Nelly is this kind of dichotomy of a, of a man who on one level seems exceptionally confident and is always himself wherever he goes, and on the other hand has this inherent kind of vulnerability in, his, in the middle of him, which is he just doesn't think he's worthy of his child's love. And maybe this journey, this quest will justify it. And, and the journey becomes more, it becomes um, Nelly discovering what it takes to earn your child's love. 
so, you know, one of the things that's really striking is that what you see in this, this journey is that like, even in the middle of, of the absolute worst things that life can throw at you, um, you know, life goes on and it finds a way to continue. And, and I know that, that Save Me Too takes place 17 months after the, the events in the first, in the first season, um, you know, and, and life is still going on. And even at the end of the, the season, the season one finale, you know, there's that, you know, he's, Nellie's back in the pub and he's, he kind of has that little wistful smile on his face as his friends are, you know, his friends are talking, you know, about their nonsense things in the pub. And it's, it's, it's interesting that, that he still has that, that ability to have hope in a situation that's so dark. Yes. Yeah. That, I mean, for me, uh, that is, what humans do but it's also what this group of people do this group of people are used to being challenged they're challenged by work they're challenged by by the economy they're challenged by um uh, education they're challenged by addiction they're challenged but their life at, at you know at its core has its challenges and they've always for generations found a way through. They've always, and part of that is the ability to find perspective and the ability to, yes, hope, but also laugh. Um, you know, it's the, in kind of London culture, Southeast London culture, there is always a sense of you've got to find a giggle. And that's why the pub is the last place of community gathering that has survived on the estate you know the the community center has gone the different churches um are gone but the pub is still there because it's a place in a weird way that symbolizes hope that symbolizes like the giggle that i'm talking about and and that was important for my characters it you know because there's never just one thing going on in your life there is never just that you know in the middle of a pandemic we have to figure out how to educate our kids how to feed our family um what television shows we're going to watch um are we going to dress up for dinner on sundays just so that we can put on some clothes that we're never going to wear anymore if we're going <laughs> to do a zoom are we going to wear anything below the waist um these are all things that we are still considering despite the fact that we are going through um, one of the, the you know a, a, a historical moment and I wanted that to be very much part of how not just Nelly but the people around him deal with this humongous and heartbreaking and frightening thing that's happened to them and it is happening to them I mean it because it's happening to Nelly it is happening to the people who care about him the people who care about Jody but also the people who are around him when he goes on this quest. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. And I can't help but draw little parallels to, to, to fear and, and, and that sense of hopefulness. And, um, but it's just, it's absolutely brilliant. And I'm so excited for people to be able to see it because it's just, oh, thank you very much. It's, it's great. And, and just your talent. I can't wait now that you've, now that you've gotten behind the director chair, it's, it's, you know, it, it's, it just opens up a whole world of possibilities now as the writer, <laughs> yes, writer, director, actor. <laughs> <laughs>
I think I think I'm doing enough, but we shall see. <laughs> well, you're wonderful. Thank you so much, Lenny. Thank for you. It's lovely to speak to you again. Thank you so much. All right. I really hope you enjoyed those interviews. It was really fun to talk with um, with Garrett and Nicholas and Lenny again and. Um, I am so excited about what's coming up in Fear the Walking Dead Season 6, and I cannot wait to see what happens in World Beyond. We're getting to the episode that uh, that I was on set for. It'll be coming up in a couple of weeks, and it's if it's anything as close to exciting as it was watching it being filmed, I can't wait for you guys to see it. So um, a lot of excitement there. Um, I I have since finished, since talking to Lenny, I have since finished Save Me Too, and it's brilliant and can't say enough about it. So if you're looking for something to watch right now, um, kind of in between all of the, you know, between Sundays and waiting for new episodes, give it a watch. It's so awesome, and um, I think you'll really like it. So thank you guys so much for sticking with me. I know it's been a long podcast, but hopefully you enjoy it, and like I said, our podcast is free, so uh, you don't have to pay for it. It's not on AMC+, Plus and, but it's the same interviews that you'll see on Talking Dead. So um, if you're not able to watch Talking Dead, then give us a, give us a listen. And uh, if you made it this far and, and uh, like what we're doing, just remember, you know, we're a podcast by fans for fans. So uh, make sure that you leave a review, give us a, you know, subscription uh, if you subscribe to us and then you'll be notified when new episodes go live and uh, it helps us to grow and to make sure that we're doing what it is that you want to see um, because this is a podcast for fans uh, so really appreciate all the feedback if you have any questions hit us up on the undead walking social media channels on on twitter and facebook and um, or hit me up at sarah beth pollock on twitter and I love, you know, I love hearing feedback and, and answering questions. So, um, so send us your, send us your feedback. Uh, so I am going to end this now. Um, I don't know who's going to be on the podcast next week. I have a couple of ideas, but have to get those cemented in before I tease anything. So, um, next week will be a surprise. So uh, thank you, as always, for sticking with, with us on the podcast. And uh, as always, stay safe, wash your hands, and watch out for those walkers. Thanks, everybody. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.